Welcome to Higher Calling Wildlife with award-winning wildlife journalist Chester Moore. From deep investigations to interviews with top experts, Higher Calling Wildlife is the place to get informed and inspired about all things wildlife. Welcome to Higher Calling Wildlife. This is Chester Moore. There are huge changes afoot for the spotted sea trout fishery in the Gulf of Mexico in terms of angler access to the fishery and what they can retain. It started in Louisiana, of all places. Louisiana rarely changes fishing regulations. And now in Louisiana, the size limit is 13 to 20 inches total length, only two fish included, with a daily bag limit they call a krill limit of 20 inches total length. Now, daily bag limit is 15 per angler, and that is coast-wide. Before, it was just from the Mermintar River to the Sabine River. That's basically Lake Calcasieu, Sabine Lake was like that. The rest of the state was 25 inches. Charter boat guides and crew will no longer be able to retain a krill limit while on a charter trip but may engage in fishing. In other words, they can help you catch your limit, but they can't add a limit to what you're going to bring back. Now, Texas Parks and Wildlife just in January 2024 changed the five fish bag limit in Texas to three fish per angler. There's a minimum length of 15 inches, a maximum now of 20 inches, and one oversized trout greater than 30 inches allowed as part of a daily bag limit. Now, in addition, Texas Parks and Wildlife Commissioners have granted permission to publish a proposal to create a tag system that allows for the take of oversized trout, which is greater than 30 inches, including one bonus tag per year for a fee. And interestingly, most regulation proposals that happen like in these spring regulation change meetings start September the 1st. This is going to start before then because Parks and Wildlife has said you know, be aware there's going to be a regulation change happening soon. So we will let you know what we hear. But I wanted to establish that there's some very interesting stuff happening in the Gulf of Mexico as it relates to the spotted sea trout. I think it's important to go back and look at trends in trophy trout because there seems to have been a downhill slide in the production of extra big fish. And that can be measured somewhat with looking at record fish along the Gulf Coast. We're gonna take a deep dive on the records of Texas. Because in 2002, Carl Bud Rowland caught the official state record on May the 23rd, 2002 in the lower Laguna Madre. It weighed 16 pounds and measured a monstrous 37 inches. That replaced the famous Jim Wallace fish caught in 1996 in Baffin Bay that was 13 pounds, 11 ounces. And of course, the all-tackle world record for speckled trout was caught in 1995 near Fort Pierce, Florida, and it weighed 17 pounds and 7 ounces. It's really, really incredible fish. So I don't think any fisherman hits the water their whole life without thinking, what if I caught the world record this or the world record that? Well, or maybe even a state record or a water body record. And it's fascinating to think that maybe that cast out there, that top water that I threw out there, when I twitch it, that the new world record, the new Louisiana state record, the new Texas record, speckled trout will slurp it under, and I'll be the record holder. It's a fun thing to think about. It's also a lot of fun to look when you start going into the trends 
of what makes a big trout possible. We talked about that in the first two episodes, but I want to start with Texas because Texas has the most complete information and detailed information on records for fish of any of the states along the Gulf Coast. And um, it's really interesting to see this. So we're going to go into some trends beginning with Texas. Now, the famous Jim Wallace fish of 1996 here, it'd be the 13.9 pound record caught by Mike Blackwood set in 1975. So you had 1975 and then you had 21 years later, you had Jim Wallace catch that big fish he caught in Baffin Bay. It took 21 whole years, 19 years that Roland caught his fish in the lower Laguna Madre. At the time of this recording in January of 2021, no one had beaten Roland's record. So the Florida record has stood so far for 26 years. So I'm going to break down some of the trends and the records set in different bay systems along the Texas coast, going from the northern tier at Sabine Lake down into the lower Laguna Madre area, which is the Bud Rolling Fish. So we're going to go to Sabine Lake. Kelly Rising caught the lake record. I reported on that in 1999. I broke the story on that. 12 pounds caught March 28, 1999 in Sabine Lake. Galveston Bay's record. R.J. Spencer, 12 pounds, March 19th, 2007. Um, Corpus Christi Bay, Philip Spencer, 12 pounds, March 18th, 2014. Matagorda, Mark Ido, 11 pounds, January 20th, 1999. And uh, the Gulf of Mexico record. So this fish was caught in the surf. There's no information we can find on. I've researched it. Can't find any more information. Either caught like on a pier, that would be considered Gulf of Mexico, surf or a rig or something like that. It's 13 pounds, and that was caught May the 25th of 1969. Looking at these sizes and dates, it's easy to see there is no real pattern. Unlike largemouth bass, for example, where a huge amount of Texas' largest bass came from 1986 to 1993 at Lake Fork, big trout seem to show up at various times. Now, there's no question 1996 was an incredible year for the Baffin Bay Complex because several fish in the 11 to 12 pound class were caught within a short span of Wallace's catch, but all of those records have now stood for years. One could look at major coastal freeze kills as being a limiting factor in big trout production. That's a valid point, but Wallace's fish came seven years after the major freeze kill of 1989. That fish was definitely born before the freeze. There's no doubt that his fish was more than seven years old. A trout will live nine, ten years, and this fish was definitely toward the end of its life cycle. Again, there's not a real pattern here. And uh, unlike largemouth bass management, where there's really intensive management in terms of trophy-sized fish and world record fish and literally breeding fish that are 13 pounds and bigger and putting them back in reservoirs, there's none of that. We talked about episode two of the show with Shane Bonneau in Texas. There's none of that where you're like tweaking the genes. They're just catching trout from each base system and stocking those fish back into the base system, kind of letting nature take its course. Now there's regulations. Now we've got down to a five fish limit, no more than one fish a day over 25 inches, those kind of things. But there's nothing in terms of like tweaking genetics to produce these really big fish. And um, the question is, can Texas ever produce a world record trout? Or will it ever beat its state record? So I don't know on that. I think there's probably one swimming around there somewhere. Will someone ever catch it? We don't know. But we're going to move and look at some other states just to give you some idea of what's happened timeline-wise there. 
and also just the kind of fish they're catching in different states along the Gulf of Mexico. Louisiana has a fairly decent log system of fish. The Louisiana Outdoor Riders Association actually um, logged the fish, and they don't have a base systems that I can find, of, but they do have a top 10 of the species out there. And this is really, really interesting. So the number one fish ever caught in Louisiana on speckled trout, Leon Matt's 12.38 pound fish in Lake Hermitage in April of 1950. The next fish is Kenneth Krieger, Lake Pontchartrain, January 1999, 11.99 pounds. Okay, the third place is Jason Truye, and that's caught in Lake Bourne, September 1999, 11.24. Then at Lake Calcasieu, where I love the fish, Timothy Mahoney, May 2002, 11.16. Kevin Galley, Calcasieu, May 1997, 10.81. And uh, you see, this goes all the way down to the 10th place, which is Ed Sexton in Venice, April of 2000, 10.50. There's a Sabine Lake fish in there. There's a Breton Sound fish in there from May 1979. A lot of areas, Calcasieu has the most, followed by Pontchartrain in the top 10 list, but the top records, 1950. Um, we have them as recently as 2013 on this list. So it seems it's kind of all over the place for big trout in Louisiana. All right, Mississippi um, has very little records that I can find, but Chris Denton caught the biggest trout there. He caught in April of 2013 and it weighed 10 pounds. Um, the fish that holds the current record the Alabama record is 12 pounds, 4 ounces, and that fish was caught um, in 1980 in Orange Beach, Alabama. And of course, we know about the Florida record, the world record fish, at over 17 pounds. I mean, that's a mind-blowing size fish, 17 pounds, 7 ounces. And so these records are kind of all over the place. And you have to look at certain factors of this. Um, the biggest fish caught are in Texas, in South Texas, super South Texas, and in Florida. So there's something that has to do with that more semi-tropical environment, warmer waters year-round. Those kind of things seem to make a difference on the absolutely huge oversized speckled trout. You know, largemouth bass are looked at at 13 pounds as being the standard bearer for like super monster fish. Or any angler will be happy to catch a 10-pound bass. I haven't caught a 10-pound yet. I've caught a 9.5, and, and I've caught thousands of bass. I haven't broke the 10-pound mark yet. But in the bass world, 13 pounds, Texas Parks and Wildlife has their share longer program. That's kind of like the supersized fish. And looking at these lists, it looks to me like if you get to like 12 pounds, you've entered a realm that few humans ever do with speckled trout. And it's a really interesting list to look at because it encompasses all the different kinds of environments that you're going to find a speckled trout in. I find it fascinating because it encompasses all kinds of areas you would find a speckled trout in. Now, let's look at the Texas list, for example. The record is in Lower Laguna Madre. We talked about that having the you know, more saline environment, semi-tropical type environment, sort of matching what's in the part of Florida where the world record trout at 17 pounds, 7 ounces is. But you have fish that are in the 12-pound category in the northern part of Texas, 12 pounds both in Galveston Bay and Sabine Lake. And you have the Gulf of Mexico record. We don't know where that is, 13 pounds. So you have fish in the surf. You have fish in more intermediate brackish-type bays. 
Uh, you have fish in the Gulf of Mexico. And then you go over to Louisiana. I think it's really interesting in their top 10 list. Lake Hermitage in 1950. There hasn't been a fish brought into Louisiana since 1950. It's bigger than 12.38 pounds, right? So that's Lake Hermitage. And then you look, although you have Breton Sound. I fish in Breton Sound. That's actually an area out there around the Chandelier Islands, essentially right out in the Gulf of Mexico area. You have um, Calcasieu Lake. You have uh, down in Venice in the marshes and Lake Pontchartrain. All these different kind of locations. So it's not necessarily centered in one particular area on these fish that are over that 10 pound mark. But if you start looking at the ones that are, you know, let's just say above 11 pounds, you get more of a pattern here where these fish are going to be found. Okay, if you look at the Texas list of fish, you'll see fish all over the place. Of course, the bud rolling fish caught in Lower Laguna Madre, that habitat matches very closely uh, to the semi-tropical area of Florida. Very, very similar type of area. Then you have, you know, a 13-pound fish caught in the Gulf of Mexico. Different areas producing these fish. Louisiana top 10 list. The number one fish, 12.38 pounds, caught in 1950 in Lake Hermitage. Number two, caught in 99 in Pontchartrain. But then you've got fish caught in Breton Sound, which is out in the Chandelier Islands. Essentially almost out in the Gulf of Mexico there. And you have fish caught in Venice and just different areas. So it's kind of all over the map with these Let's just say 10 pound plus fish would be caught. Where is the next record going to come from? Will there be another record? You got to ask some questions in terms of management of fish. Do I think Louisiana will produce another record fish? Look, it's 1950 since there's been a 12 pound trout caught and brought in in Louisiana that's registered as a record. I think Louisiana is missing the boat on management on that. If they want to produce more trophy trout, you can't keep taking the number of fish that Louisiana takes and produce a bunch of record fish. It's got to change if record fish is going to be part of their management. Texas has kind of already gone that direction. Superseding a 16-pound record fish is a tall order. But the management principles are sort of in place with five fish, no more than one a day over 25. Florida has really restrictive records. Um, but it's going to be a matter of what's going to be the factors out there that are going to cause these fish to survive. Because uh, they have to be able to survive to the oldest age possible. And the fish that survives to the oldest age has to have the genetics to be the really, really big fish. It has to be in the right environment, the right forage. All of those things, you look at different conditions. Florida has had a real problem with algal blooms. Texas had a little bit of that as well. Texas is due a big freeze kill. It's about the time, I hate to say this, but it's about the time, if you look at timelines, when you typically would have a big freeze problem, which killed a lot of fish before. But we mentioned that the Jim Wallace fish lived through a freeze. So is there a pattern? And do you think there is a pattern that produces these big fish? Um, do you think there can be a record in your state? Do you think there will ever be a new Texas record? Do you think there will ever be a new Florida record, which would be a world record? Do you think Alabama or Mississippi or Louisiana will have a record? And where do you think it will be caught? If you do have an eye day on this, please message me. Email me at chester at chestermore.com. I'd love to know your information. We'll talk about that in a future episode. Trophy speckled trout are a very, very rare commodity. You can manage speckled trout to have a quality fishery that produces trophy fish. But unlike largemouth bass, 
which can definitely be tweaked in the hatcheries and all kind of things like this. We haven't gotten there with speckled trout yet. I wrote an article very early in my career in 2000 talking about the age of the super trout. There had been some um, hatchery breakthroughs on tweaking genetics and things, but it's never made it into your state fish and game departments. Texas Parks and Wildlife has not initiated any of this. I don't think Florida has either. And Louisiana doesn't even have a stocking program. So you go into all these things, you go, we don't have what's going on with bass happening with speckled trout. I mean, the real influence on the growth of bass nationwide, where a lot of these trophy fish are being produced, is tweaking genes. And that includes the introduction of Florida strain largemouth bass into lakes around the country. So that made a big difference there. You're seeing these incredible fish and, and records broken all kind of lakes, record broken states and all kind of things, huge bass in different areas. And uh, it's just not happening the same way with speckled trout. I think that has a factor in it. I think that in my personal opinion, looking at this for many years and kind of being really fascinated by it, I think that there's just got to be the right fish, the right angler at the right time. I think you can tweak it a little bit by if you want to break that record or just break your own fishing record, you got to be in the right locations. I live on Sabine Lake. I mean, there's a really nice fish caught in Sabine Lake. Uh, you know, 12 pounds, a huge fish. That's a long shot from the 16 pounds. If I were wanting to break a record for trout in Texas, I would focus my efforts in Lower Laguna Madre, Baffin Bay, that Lower Laguna area. And um, I might even try some of the nearshore surf and just try some really hardcore, strange tactics. I think there's some bigger fish in the surf than we give them credit for and things like that. But I don't think there's a formula to really go out and break this record. Um, it's not like you can monitor them as much as you can bass. I mean, there's some small, clear lakes in California where people named the bass. There's a famous bass out there that people had named. And they hooked it. They did all kind of stuff. And it was a 20-something pound bass. It was an unbelievable bass. And, um, but that's not true with speckled trout. They're a very elusive fish. They're a very mysterious fish. Management comes into play. Natural history comes into play. In my opinion, if I look at the Louisiana list, I think Louisiana has pretty much uh, killed off so many trout that it's not hurting the fishery, I don't think, in terms of numbers, but it might have hurt it in terms of the overall genetics of those fish. And I say this for another reason, because I found some stuff in my research that was super fascinating. I love catching sand trout. I also love catching gulf trout. Sand trout are the more brown ones, and the gulf trout are the more silver ones. And sometimes they lump them together and call them white trout. Check this out, though. Looking at the Louisiana records, this was mind-blowing. In 1973, the year I was born, there was an 11-pound sand trout or gulf trout here caught in Louisiana by Donald Marion. Same year, James Gomez caught a 10.50 pound sand trout. Unbelievable. Now, if you look at the Louisiana records, the 10th place was caught in 1975, and that was Jimmy Hill, 7.25. In the 1970s, every fish but one caught in 1981 that was eight pounds the top 10 Louisiana sand trout were all caught in the 1970s. Now, if you look into other records, it's equally fascinating. Now, other states, ironically, don't have as many fish listed. But I want you to look at numbers in terms of size 
on some of these sand trout and stuff caught in other states. If you look at sand trout uh, caught in Mississippi, the record is 6.96 pounds caught in 2009. That's a fairly recent record. If you look at Alabama, you have a 6-pound, 10-ounce fish caught in 1997. Now, sometimes sand trout and gulf trout are used interchangeably. Um, and they're called a white trout and lumped together. And sometimes they're called a silver sea trout. And then you have the sand sea trout. Uh, the silver is the silver looking one without specks. The sand sea trout is the one that's more of a color of a croaker. Now, interestingly, Florida, if you go to their website and check out their fish records. Okay, so if you go to Florida's website, their official records website for coastal fisheries, you'll see that sand sea trout and silver sea trout are not currently eligible for a state record. It's very bizarre. A lot of fish on there, it says not eligible for a state record, which is, I don't know why that is, but it is. But if you look at these trends, you'll see that they had this huge sand trout boom in the 70s. It kind of lasted off and on in places until the 90s and it dropped off. Well, if you look at sand trout populations, they are very much affected by shrimping. Now, shrimping rates in bays in the Gulf of Mexico is radically down because of license buyback programs, economic issues, and things like that. But sand trout were hammered by shrimping. A lot of bycatch of that, and I think what you see is after the 70s, there was tons and tons of pressure and technology and things in the late 70s, 80s, and shrimping. I think it just wiped out a lot of those big sand trout, maybe even wiped out some of the genetics for the big sand trout, because we're not seeing those kind of sand trout anymore. They've disappeared. What happened to them? Now, I've caught some three-pound sand trout in Texas in the last five years, which is huge for me. It's, I mean, just monster sand trout for me. But look at this. Where have you ever heard that there's been an 11-pound sand trout caught in Louisiana? States having six-pound records and all this kind of stuff. Those are massive fish. I mean, we're looking at Alabama with a seven-pound. I mean, those are huge sand trout. We would think that's a trophy speckled trout. But something happened to the population. Something changed. I'm actually going to dig deeper into this. And maybe talk about the lost trout, the misunderstood trout, and do a special bonus episode about the misunderstood silver and sand sea trout, the story of these fish and what's going on, because there's definitely a link there. There are definitely some things that have happened there. Management of these fish has pretty much been none. You can still catch all you want. I think every Gulf state for sure in Texas and Louisiana and there's been just tons of impact on them in terms of shrimp trawls and things like that. Did that take out the trophy potential? Did all the netting and all the harvest in years of Louisiana cause the same problem? Did it impact the upper coast of Texas because they were taken out on the upper coast uh, in the early 1980s? But did that take a lot of those bigger fish genetics out in perpetuity? That's a question that we have to ask. Before we go, I'd like to talk to you about our Higher Calling Wildlife Outreach. Higher Calling Wildlife is an outreach of our Children's Kingdom Ministries that's also connected to the Kingdom Zoo Wildlife Center and the Wild Wishes Program. Our overall mission is to bring the love of Christ to hurting children through wildlife encounters. Higher Calling Wildlife does that specifically through expeditions to do photography and fishing in places like Colorado, Florida, Tennessee, and throughout Texas. If you would like to help this program, I know a kid that might benefit from it, go to highercalling.net and click on the Youth Outreach link or go to kingdomzoo.com. You can learn more, connect us with a kid, and also 
you can donate. Tax-deductible donations. We appreciate your support. This segment is brought to you by our friends at the Golden Crescent Chapter of the National Wild Turkey Federation down in the Victoria, Texas area. You can get more information at gcnwtf.org. That's gcnwtf.org. What are your thoughts on the recent speckled trout regulations enacted by the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries as well as the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department? Are you concerned about the speckled trout fishery or are you concerned that Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries and Texas Parks and Wildlife are heading more toward a trophy type fishery? What are your thoughts? These are concerns that are being put out there. So. I want to know what you think. You can email me at chester at chestermore.com. That is chester at chestermore.com. I would love to hear your thoughts. Maybe I can share a few of those thoughts here on the broadcast. I'm hoping we start hearing more about speckled trout habitat and habitat in general on the Gulf Coast. I do believe, I do believe this is the greatest issue that we're overall facing. And it comes in two forms. It comes in habitat outright loss and in habitat degradation. Of course, loss is where, you know, you have a development or erosion and, you know, acreage of fish habitat goes away and just becomes open water that nothing can really live on except swim through. It's no longer a seagrass bed or no longer an oyster bed. It's just open water with mud. Not really good, suitable fish habitat. Also, degradation of habitat. Um, less seagrass on seagrass flats or less growing or less productive oysters or pollution in the water. These are all things that are major, major issues that in my opinion are being overlooked. Now, I salute the Coastal Conservation Association on their take on the oyster issue in Texas. They're doing a lot of great stuff on oysters in Texas Parks and Wildlife has enacted some changes that I think are positive. But overall, people are very disconnected from habitat issues, even on the wildlife side, but especially on the side of fisheries. Because you see water, and there's just as much water as there ever was. As a matter of fact, there's more water. What am I talking about? Have I gone crazy? Think about the erosion on the extreme southern Louisiana coast. You had marshland that has been eroded by hurricanes, just waves pounding, you know, tidal influence, channelization, where you had marsh, now you have open water, more open water. So you can't keep producing the amount of fish you had 20, 30 years ago with less habitat and less quality habitat. And I wish this were brought more into the equation. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to find people to bring on the program to talk about the issues of fish habitat, especially with speckled trout. Can you still produce as many fish with less quality habitat? It's impossible. So I think that needs to be brought into the equation. That's something I want to talk about here on higher calling wildlife. Because the higher calling of what we do in conservation is bringing up issues other people don't talk about. Digging deep into stuff like this. And this is a very, very important thing. So if you have some expertise, maybe you're a biologist or a, you know someone who works in uh, data and can help with maybe creating a map showing habitat loss and degradation, maybe in real time, please contact me 
at Chester at ChesterMoore.com. I would love to get that information out there. We need a dialogue about speckled trout and connect the dots with habitat. People won't care about the disappearance of hardheads or Atlantic croaker, but they will care about the disappearance of speckled trout and how their bag limits are being impacted. And if we can make the connection to habitat, maybe we can make some real forward momentum with the conservation of not only speckled trout, but all fisheries along the Gulf Coast. And that's a very, very important thing. Our higher calling is to get the information out to you that will help you make informed decisions and go where other people aren't going. So if you have any thoughts on this or expertise on this, that could lend a hand to what I'm trying to accomplish here, email me at chester at chestermore.com. That is chester at chestermore.com. I greatly appreciate it. Also, lots of ways to follow me. We have the sister podcast. We have Dark Outdoors, where we investigate true crime, animal dangers, all kind of dangers in the great outdoors, an award-winning program just like this one is. You can get Dark Outdoors on any major podcasting platform, whether it's Apple Music, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Spotify, Dark Outdoors is there, and season three just kicked off. A great season, have a really creepy episode one, have some killer stuff coming up in the rest of season three of Dark Outdoors. Thank you so much for supporting the work that I do with wildlife and also for children. God bless. Thanks for listening to Higher Calling Wildlife. Find us on Facebook at Higher Calling Wildlife, at The Chester Moore on Instagram, and our blog at HigherCalling.net. To contact Chester, email Chester at ChesterMoore.com.